Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we educate and inspire people to live fuller lives through mindful practices. Let's get started with your host, New York Times contributor, leadership advisor, sought-after keynote speaker, the author of the Amazon hot new release, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. She's smart, strong, sassy, and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we get to talk about hot topics around this area of mindfulness and learn how we can integrate mindfulness into your life. And I am absolutely excited to bring to you what some of you may think is an unpredictable guest here on the Everyday Mindfulness Show. We have Melody Kramer. She is the author of Lawyers Decoded, Essential Knowledge for Saving Money and Reducing Legal Hassles. So we're going to be talking about that intersection of emotion and the law in an educated and lighthearted way. Melody, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, we're so grateful that you're willing to come on because I like to personally talk about taboo topics and mindfulness for some people is just a little on the edge of woo-woo and sometimes the law can be just a little outside of somebody's comfort zone too. You know, unfortunately in life, we often don't pre-plan for our legal issues. You know, it's, oh my gosh, we're suddenly going through a divorce or I've got to sell my business or, um, you know, in near death or end of death choices. We need to have those types of things documented. So it can be a little scary to have to bring a lawyer into your, your toolbox. And your book tells us a little bit about how to do that mindfully. So I want to start out with, how did you come to write this book? Well, I needed a little more mindfulness and a little more work-life balance in my legal practice. I've practiced law for over 20 years and I'm a trial lawyer. So right in the midst of really emotional, heavy things for people. And you said a little scary, I would say very scary. And this isn't just for like criminal cases where you might go to jail, but even civil disputes business disputes. I mean, it, it threatens your business. It threatens your livelihood. Divorce cases are terribly emotional. Um, all of these and the whole system like prolongs disputes, prolongs fights between people. And that will do you in physically, emotionally, mentally, if you don't tie in some mindfulness. And while I know it's a tough sell, to make lawyers be mindful of these things. It's really tough. Uh, I think we need to start in that process. And I wanted my book to be a piece of that process of looking introspectively to my legal career. I tell a lot of stories in there and the things that we go through and what that does to our mind and soul as we go along. And then the process being to take that and for both sides, lawyers and clients, to better understand what we're going through in our heads so we can have a little more peaceful 
process going forward. As we were talking about the book earlier in preparation for the show, you said, you know, the book is really about helping educate consumers on why lawyers are the way they are. And I, I think, you know, because this is such a, such a, a taboo topic, we don't often humanize the lawyer, you know, as, I hire this person to be the shark. Um, so I really appreciate this book as an opportunity for us to explore the humanness the human beingness of approaching what can sometimes be scary for people. Oh yeah. It's, it's, um, and, and it's true that people hire lawyers to be sharks, to be barracudas, whatever it is, and to fight on their behalf. And that's all well and good, except for the fact that we as lawyers are a little too good at it <laughs> sometimes. And we take away the humanness of our clients and the other side in the process. And what I started to see over the years was there was so much more vitriol than was really warranted or necessary. And the thing is that the lawyers fed that. They were kind of asked to feed that, but we just made it worse and worse and worse. And I remember a couple of years ago, I had a case between two two businesses that had you know known each other for many many years and something happened the deal went wrong and we fought bitterly for probably about a year i mean it was nasty it was awful and we got to a settlement conference and when you have a settlement conference a lot of times parties will be sitting out waiting in between sessions with the judge and the judge was talking with one of the attorneys and I was sitting in the courtroom and I happened to see the two clients kind of off in a corner talking to each other. I thought, well, this is a little weird, but I decided not to interfere, but I could hear a little bit. And here they were talking about, you know, like family stuff, how are the kids, how the parents, things like that. And then they started talking about the case. And I heard one of them say, well, if you, if you just said you're sorry for what happened, and here the two of them settled the case out in the hallway that the attorneys had been unable to settle for a year. And I thought, wow, we are just going the wrong way as lawyers. We need to have a legal system. We need to have that defense of people, but we need to figure out how to do it better. I also saw in your bio, I, I love this, it says, Ms. Kramer has been an innovator and an advocate for positive change in the legal profession, founding FreelanceLaw.com, co-founding the Association for Freelance Legal Professionals, and more recently founding Legal Greenhouse, a think tank developer for innovative legal solutions. You have been a busy woman. Yes, I have been, and I intend to stay that way <laughs> till the day I drop dead, intend to be that way. I, I feel like that was sort of my place in life to be on the cutting edge of things and seeing problems and approaching them in a different fashion. So, I mean, one example is I'm a certified instructor for a type of self-defense training that taps into your fight or flight response, which we see in the legal profession everywhere in the courthouses. It's that fight or flight response, which when you study it, you find out when you are in that state of mind, state of being, your critical thinking skills go out the window. Literally, your body adjusts, rearranges resources. And so after going through these classes and getting the tr this training, I realized that learning to defend yourself 
from a an attacker, a mugger or something, is the same sort of thing that's going in your mind like during depositions, during court. So I actually started doing some training sessions for people who were going to be deposed. And I walked through some of those same exercises that we did in the self-defense classes so they would have a better understanding of their own body systems and their own body reactions to stress and then how to reduce those layers of stress a bit. And I've talked to them after they had their depositions and they said it helped, it really helped. So that's the type of innovative thing that I like to do, taking something no one else is thinking about and giving it a try. That's what we've been doing with, with mindfulness. It's, you know, we're well over a hundred shows now, but I'm curious, what is your definition of mindfulness? I would say mindfulness for me is sort of a, a intentional or deliberate stepping away from the busyness of the day and getting perspective again. It's very hard to do, but sometimes you just need to get up from your desk or wherever it is you are and go walk outside, take a little walk. I like walking at the beach. But if you don't have time for that, at least get up and away from your usual surroundings and get a little balance. And it's amazing what that will do for you. It used to be a joke around the office that I would like sit in my office and struggle over a problem for hours and hours and finally give up and go out to lunch or something. And before I got to my car, I was on my cell phone going, I figured it out. I figured it out. Somehow just that process of disconnecting a little bit was enough to free up my brain. So, you know, it's not a matter of I don't have time for mindfulness. I don't have time to not do some mindfulness practices. Clearly, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm curious because within the framework of the clients that you work with and the associations and organizations you've, you've started, um, many of us mindful leaders out there, we come across two, two questions that can sometimes be a challenge for people. One is, I can't do that mindfulness. It's, it's spiritual. It's like religious. What do you say to those people? I don't think it can be religious. And if that's your tradition and that's your beliefs, by all means, go that approach. But it doesn't have to be religious at all. This is a matter of being more in touch with your mind and body and respecting it and wanting its optimum performance. And if your mindfulness practice is getting up in the morning and reading your Bible or, or you know, having prayer if that is your mindfulness practice and works for you, then do it. If that doesn't resonate with you, do something else. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I don't see the two as being the same, though they can be interconnected if you choose. Well, I'm excited to know there's women like you leading the forefront of this within that, that legal profession. And we have to have more of these courageous conversations. And I say I teach applied mindfulness for CEOs, executives, and leaders. Um, to bring them back to the present moment. And, and I also have a line, I say it's, you know, it's not downward dog on a yoga mat. So I'm curious, what's one mindfulness practice? You talked about, you know, going for a walk, breaking up the energy. Are there any other applied mindfulness things that you do to bring yourself back to balance and center? Well, I, I have cats and I have a daughter. Um, so spending time with either or all of them is an important thing. Um, I like 
going out and taking walks or hikes, things like that is nice. Somehow connecting with nature in some fashion. And since I live in San Diego, I love going to the beach or I'll go over to um, Coronado Island. There's just a great place there, a little coffee shop and you can sit on the grass and you can look over the bay and look across at downtown San Diego. Um, just getting that fresh air and that peacefulness is really helpful to me. Well, I love it when, when I hear a lawyer saying the word peacefulness. I mean, really, no matter what you're, what you're trying to negotiate in the, in the courtroom, there, there, I like to say there's, there's a oneness there that people really do ultimately want to come to a resolution that creates peace for, for both people. I'm, I'm famous. I, I probably haven't said this on the show, but, I, but, I, but I've said it in my life many times. I divorced my husband because I loved him and I wanted him to have the life that he wanted and I wanted to have, have the life that I wanted. And, and I wanted peace in that, that situation. And um, I know lawyers help craft those conversations to create that peace, whatever it looks like. Yeah. Well, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. But more often than not, we're not. And partly is our financial interests are not based on finding peace. Because for example, if you are a trial lawyer and you're on the defense side, you're usually paid hourly, there isn't a financial advantage for you to wrap up a case quickly. And I found even for me where, I mean, I try very diligently to get things, cases settled. I'm kind of a different attorney that way, I'll be honest. But I found even when I have restructured my fee agreements sometimes, that have more of an incentive. I get paid more if I quickly settle things. It's amazing how it shifts in my mind, even though I know what I'm doing and I know, you know, know the means to an end. It's all of a sudden you're focusing on getting it done, getting it done instead of let's just play this out for a year. And finally, when the client gets upset enough about the bills, then I'll talk about settlement. So, I think there's some systemic things we can do. I think as lawyers, making a living is important. Don't get me wrong. It's important. I think when it comes to litigation, if we can have less incentives for extending and prolonging the battle, that would be good for everybody. I mean, why is it that we have cases that take routinely at least a year to get from filing to having a trial? Why can't parties go to a trial couple months down the road, get it done and over with. I think maybe we should look into these changes. I, I am right there with you advocating for that. I, I had a friend who recently went through a divorce and, you know, they did the first round of mediation and blah, 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 stuff hit the fan. They ended up having to hire lawyers, which they didn't want to have to do. I ended up hiring the lawyers, second round of mediation. Okay, when's the court date? Four, yeah, months. four, four months from now, four, wait, 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 for four months, we have to be in this limbo land of, of the energy and the emotion of it. And it's, it's a recurring thing because the court system has these different emotions and different procedural things along the way that don't deal with the actual dispute, that deal with how the paperwork is filed or, you know, those little details. And it is a stressful thing for the attorneys, for the clients, every single round of that. And so you're just in this petri dish of growing resentment and anger and then all the money you're spending and you're, not, you're less likely to want to resolve things. 
you should, the, the focus should be on resolving things. Like you were saying, creating peace early on, immediately. You've got a dispute. Let's get this fixed. Let's get it fixed shortly and quickly if possible. If we need to get a little information between the two parties before we have a fair trial, okay, fine, a little bit. Some cases are like that, but a lot of them are. Resolving the issue quickly is better for both sides, even if they're not happy about the decision. It's at least done and over with, and they can move on with their lives. So, Melody, as we go to break, we, I often ask guests if there's a, a question or a tool that you might leave with our listeners that they could use to ease the emotion around legal issues or bring balance to the scales of law. Do you have any questions or ideas that we might take into consideration as we go to break? Absolutely. I've tried this with clients. I haven't quite gotten them to embrace this yet, but I would love for someone to. And that is when you start in a legal dispute, be it divorce or you know a business dispute or whatever, write down exactly what you think you deserve, what you want, what your goals are. Write it down. Write down how much you're willing to spend to get them. Be very specific and write it down because as you go through the process of the case, you forget. And if you are very deliberate and see, okay, I'm getting more angry, I'm getting, I'm spending more money, then you have a way of, of, checking yourself again back to what you really want and what you what is really obtainable otherwise you get in this spiral of more money more stress until i i've lost clients in the middle of cases have a heart attack or whatever you don't want to do that you really want to get to a peaceful place as soon as possible and plot a path towards that 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 really echoes what what the listeners have heard me say on the show what you visualize you actualize so taking that moment to intentionally visualize what you want to actualize at the end can really it sounds like from your experience set set not on the wheels of the universe and the energy but maybe even just maybe the wheels of the legal system in in a way that will start to make that or something near that come true absolutely so we'll be right back after a brief break The Everyday Mindfulness Show is brought to you by Leadership Solutions International. Are you hosting an upcoming conference or convention? Or looking for a speaker to provide inspiration and motivation? Would you like your audiences to know what you know as a listener of the Everyday Mindfulness Show? Check out Leadership Solutions International for more on mindful leadership keynote offerings, on-site mindfulness information centers, and trainings. You're listening to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, and we are talking with a lawyer today. Yes, a lawyer, because we even need to be mindful as we approach sometimes hot topics that require legal support. And Melody Kramer, you are a woman of influence, author of Lawyers Decoded, The Essential Knowledge for Saving Money and Reducing Legal Hassles. And I am so excited to bring this information to our listeners because you are exploring and in the process of creating some new mindful products, intentional products that will help us move in a different way through the end of life process, 
share with us a little bit about your approach, your mindset, and, and how it can make a difference for all of us. Yes, I'm sort of getting to the point in life I'm being more aware of what's coming in the end, if you will, and aging parents and so forth. And I realized how many people don't have wills, don't have estates, anything like that. And I thought those aren't that complicated of documents. Why are people not doing these? And I started exploring that area and realized there's a great deal of fear relating to it. Fear of death, fear of bad things happening. And you figure if you don't think about it, it's not going to be a problem. But then I've seen when people have died, the mess that's left sometimes, which is not in the interest of mindfulness at all. It's very stressful, very difficult. So I thought, how do I bridge that gap? And part of this fed into a assignment I had for Toastmasters some months ago, where I had to write an obituary and I chose to write my own obituary. And you would think it would be sad and morose and it was not, it was the most life affirming thing I have done in years. Because I realized that if you think deliberately about what you would like to have accomplished, what would you like people to see in you when you're gone, then the rest is all paperwork. It's seeing that process of here's the good place I can be at the end. I've done a lot of cool things. I, I have, and there are more that I'm going to do. And then you work backwards to that going, you know, I've got some money set aside, you know, when I die, I want it to go to this. And maybe it's not to your family. Maybe it's to some good cause. Maybe it's some nonprofit that you feel strongly about. Maybe there's some sort of legacy scholarship thing you want to set up. There are all sorts of things you can do. And when you have that bigger picture, then you can go to a lawyer and say, okay, I need the papers that go along with doing this. So that's what I'm working on, but I'm also working on what we talked at the beginning about the scariness of, of legal. And I'm gonna be starting out with very simple things to get your foot in the door. Like you can write your own holographic will, free, you don't need a lawyer, just has to all be in your handwriting. Those are valid um, wills in almost every state. And then, okay, assigning someone who's going to make decisions for you for healthcare um, or your financial stuff if you are incapacitated, simple things. And then you go from, from there to maybe you need some more complicated things, tax planning, trusts or whatever. But if you just go in little baby steps towards the end, then it's a lot less overwhelming. You used two words that really landed for me and I want to highlight them for the listener, which is life affirming approach. And I too have had that experience of, of writing, writing the obituary. And I, I recommend it for everyone because it is, it is a stretch, but it's a good stretch and it's a private thing. Obviously we, we're not putting these things out in the world, but they, they can be such a great tool for, for estate planning, for life planning, for letting go of what you really don't want and stepping into what you really do want. So I want to you really implore people to, to look at as you were bringing someone legal into your team, do they have a life affirming approach or the highest and best approach for whatever circumstance that, that you're in? Correct. So how can people get your book? How can people connect to the work you're doing and support your movement to educate this system that it can be different? 
Well, you can reach me through my website, melodyannkramer.com. And my book, Lawyers Decoded, is available on Amazon. I'm working on getting it on some other websites as well, um, but you can find it there. And my email address is melodyannkramer at gmail.com. And I'm happy to hear from anybody about their experiences with lawyers, any sort of area they think um, is untapped and needs some new solutions. I'm really looking for, I like finding projects where I'm trying to help develop new solutions within the legal setting. And I'm certainly happy to listen to people's suggestions on that. Well, you have said yes to, to a big mission and we're so grateful for the work that you're doing because we know that as more mindful practices come in for clients selecting mindful lawyers, the lawyers are gonna in turn want more mindful living for themselves and we're gonna grow this movement in a way that builds a world that works for everyone. That's true, that's true. So any other last minute thoughts before we let you get back to your day? Yeah, just don't be scared of lawyers. We're not all scary. <laughs> and there's really a lot for us to learn from each other. And it's a great mindfulness practice. Stay open to the curiosity and discovery as, as you bring someone onto you into your legal team. Thank you for saying yes to being on the show. We look forward to having you back as these products continue to develop. Continue to share updates with us, Melody. Thank you so much. Remember, mindful matters, and so do you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more mindfulness every day, visit everydaymindfulnessshow.com and download the three-day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness. Thank you.